face the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise, its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Welcome to Starfleet Boy, where we have a casual and informal discussion about our beloved series, Star Trek. You are listening to a previously recorded conversation. Good afternoon, and uh, welcome to an... Another exciting episode of Starfleet Boy, in which we have a casual and informal discussion about Star Trek, and uh, we made it to season two of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Season uh, two. <laughs> the is it my imagination? Or was there a little update on the uh, credits? The planets look different a little bit, right, from season one. Um, actually, I was going to ask you. Do things look like the um, the work they've they, they've done on the episodes? Doesn't it look? Isn't it not a? Doesn't it not look as impressive as in the first season? No, actually, I thought the shuttlecraft looked really great, and um, they had a few shots like that close-up shot of the Enterprise that was different. I didn't remember that from the original airing. But the uh, the planet just didn't seem as detailed and textured as. As in the first season? Yeah, oh, and I know it. that it's a different company, because I don't know mm-hmm. if you know this, um, the company that did the first season, because of the schedule um, that they were keeping to, um, the company that did the first season would do every other season hence. So they did the first, the third, the fifth, and I guess the seventh Interesting. And then the the company that was doing the remastering uh, started with the second and then did uh, the fourth, alternating. And uh, I remember, I seem to recall that there were complaints about the second company that did the remastering on the the second season. (laughs) It looked pretty good to me, but I am watching it on a small screen, so I'm not sure... uh on my saying. screen, I, I mean, I don't have a huge TV, but I, I noticed a few things. I would be curious to know how Go, what Goldu Scott thinks because he has that clearly character. the biggest TV <laughs> of the three of us. He has like full immersive uh, 3D technology over there. Goldu Scott watches it in, yeah, in <laughs> some kind of crazy. Yeah. Hollow, he goes into a hollow suite and watches it. He actually, <laughs> he actually participates in the episodes, uh, is what Goldu Scott does. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, he, Goldu Go Scott uh, is in Washington, D.C. Um, this oh. Weekend, and um, he is going to go and see the restored Enterprise at the Smithsonian. Ah, oh. <laughs> the restored enterprise. There it is. Beautiful, is she not? She sure is. What a fine ship. It, when I talk, the camera switches to me, so you got to talk. 
Oh, okay. Okay, there we go. The beautiful enterprise. There we go. How? Why was that sound effect so short? Um, it was a short hop. Okay. Um, a couple things uh, before we dive into the episode, the child. Um, I just want to talk about uh, how. I was excited. Uh, I didn't. Okay. So a confession when season two happened, I was so attached to Dr. Crusher. I I didn't realize how much I loved Dr. Crusher (laughs) when I was young, but I actually boycotted season two of next generation when it first aired. Um, because I was so unhappy that uh, Dr. Crusher was gone and, and, uh, and they replaced her with uh, um, Dr. Pulaski. But this then, was when you were in middle school, correct? Yes. When I was in, so it was actually before we met. Before we met, right. Okay. I was very upset about season two. And as a matter of fact, um, when we finally met in high school, I had only seen a few season two episodes in reruns. My la- my knowledge of season two, if you remember, was very lacking. It was right. It I was knew a whole. as a as a whole, it was it was lacking. It was all in your very thorough knowledge of Star Trek. Star Trek. I did finally watch season two in um, on DVD when the when the show was first released on those DVD box sets and I have to say that I was so embarrassed because I ended up loving Dr. Pulaski. Diana Muldar actually is quite wonderful. Like wow. and, and rewatching now, I even have more appreciation for her. So I want to make a public uh statement about her and say that she's a great actress. I mean like she's really she's fantastic. Oh, well, yeah. She, oh, well, she yeah, brings something uh something really great. And now that I don't have my deep attachment and you know ego to dr crusher i can appreciate her knowing also that she's going to come back in season three right <laughs> of course, helps, of a course. Lot, helps a lot of course but um it does but yeah it was i was very happy to see her uh again and it made me really kind of smile to to see dr pulaski now now that I like her, <laughs> yeah. I, one, you know, it's these, these weird little things that are we get attached to, you know, characters and. I understand. My brother was that way too. My brother got very attached to um, the first commander on Babylon Five, and he obviously was very attached to Michael Keaton as Batman. So my brother has a long history of of. <laughs> Of doing things like that. And um, I, on the other hand, I think I, I find it interesting when casts are shuffled around around like that and we get new blood. And, and as long as certain characters remain, uh, it can be exciting to see new, new uh, character cocktails, as I call them, uh, with these cast changes. And we certainly get that with uh, this episode. A lot of exciting things uh, going on. So I'll jump into the uh, a quick little summary. Uh, season two uh, opens with the episode called The Child. Uh, among other things, we're introduced to um, two new characters, Dr. Pulaski, um, and then also Guinan, 
uh, is introduced in this episode. We also get to see uh, 10 forward and, you know, a bunch of exciting things. The story is very simple. There's some kind of plasma plague, whatever that is, uh, happening. And uh, unfortunately, there's not really a way to cure it, but they have all these other samples of plagues that they need to um, transport to a medical base in order for us, in, or, in order for scientists to kind of like use these samples to figure out the, um, the, uh, the vaccine. However, um, they're highly unstable and volatile and can completely uh, decimate the population of the Enterprise should any of these little nasty bugs get out. So Jordy invents this clever um, uh, containment system and, you know, uh, we're, we're getting ready to, you know, that's like kind of like how we get introduced. Uh, meanwhile, this little star child thing, this star thing, uh, comes into um, comes into the enterprise, flies around, investigates, and then uh, impregnates Counselor Troy. <laughs> with, uh, you know, it's kind of like an immaculate conception of sorts. Uh, and so then we have that to deal with. All of a sudden, Counselor Troy is pregnant. She's um, gestating at a insanely rapid rate uh hours instead of months uh she has this child this baby um who she named ian after her father and then ian uh is experiencing lots of childhood type things but unfortunately he's uh also the source of uh radiation which is causing one of those samples to go crazy and and uh, it's going to break its containment and then uh, break through the containment chamber and kill the entire crew if they can't do something. The enlightened little alien Ian Starchild realizes this and <laughs> decides that he needs to um, go back to his original form. Uh, we get this really emotional goodbye with Counselor Troy and... Um, uh, the alien life form goes back. Everything's fine. Uh, end of episode. <laughs> does that kind of, does that cover it? Yeah. It does. <laughs> so, what did you think of the opener for season? I thought three? it sucked. Really? I oh. thought it sucked big time. It sucked back then, and it sucked now. And a horrible episode. Nothing happens, man. Nothing. A lot. It's boring. It was um, it was originally intended to be an episode on Star Trek Phase Two. Hmm. Um, Who's gonna get pregnant? Lieutenant Ailia. Oh. And of course, uh, the guy who was gonna be standing, you know, this is Riker was standing just a little bit off away from 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 Troy. It was supposed to have been uh, uh, Commander Decker. So this was an episode that was supposed to have been an Ilea Decker episode. And um, in the original premise, uh, in the original episode, the star child was somehow compromising the, uh, the, Enterprise, the hull of the Enterprise. Um, and apparently the star child ch- uh, was choosing among different hosts as it was traveling, and the other choices were Uhura or Chekhov. Oh. So imagine a pregnant Chekhov, shall we? Fascinating. Fascinating. Walter Koenig would probably have 
loved <laughs> doing that episode. Um, I could just see the conversation with the uh, director now. You want me to wear this prosthetic? <laughs> like, I have a baby inside me. Oh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, By the way, I, I don't think we've talked about this on Starfleet Boy, and unfortunately, because these are pre-recorded, it's not as timely. Right. But uh, Anton Yelchin uh, passed away not too long ago, and it was really hard. Uh, kind of sad news. I'm still actually pretty shook up every time I think about it. Um, and Walter Koenig did uh, give a very nice uh, kind of uh, tribute to him. And we know that Walter Koenig has had a very similar situation with his, he lost his child in a tragic way um, recently, not, well, maybe a few years. And um, so he can relate to the parents of Anton Yelchin. And well, it's just sad because uh, Kelvin Timeline Chekhov was one of the delights mm-hmm. of, of the, um, new Star Trek series and um and it's sad that this Star Trek Beyond is going to be his last film but um it's great that Anton uh Yelchin contributed his talents to Star Trek. Yeah, no he was he's a great actor. Um I liked him in Star Trek. I liked him in um the uh at the last Terminator movie, but the one before Salvation. Oh, he, Salvation. Played, he played Kyle Reese. Excellent Kyle Reese and uh he was Main character in Odd Thomas, based on those um, Dean Coons. That's the name of the author. I think so. Yeah, and Charlie yeah. Bartlett too. And then he was in Fright Night. Also, He's oh, been, with David Tennant. With David Tennant, yep. Oh, and I uh, seen Colin that. Farrell, yeah. Yeah, he's great. He's just great in everything. He's, he's he was, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a talent that will be will be sorely missed. Um, moving back to the episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing happens in this episode. I, I really don't That's, know what I'm, I'm going to have to disagree. I think a lot happens. Uh, maybe nothing happens. what happened in the episode. So we <laughs> we get chief engineer. Uh, Jordy's the chief engineer. Uh-huh, yeah. That's we, about five seconds. <laughs> we meet Chief O'Brien, right? Isn't this his first time on the show, or was he in season one? I can't remember. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> oh, no. Is my terrible memory. Uh-oh. What is this a red alert situation here? No, I'm not. I'm not drinking. I swear. Because oh, okay. <laughs> chief medical officer, he's also playing Starfleet boy, and <laughs> we have to, have to uh, tell you to report to your quarters. Remind me, uh, season one, O'Brien. I see he's totally blanking right dude, now. Dude, <laughs> he's on the freaking battle bridge. That's right. That's right. On okay. the pilot episode. <laughs> well, he's more prominent, it seems, in this episode. <laughs> The lighting, because of all the transporting, because of all the yeah, I guess so. But the lighting is way better. The bridge lighting, especially, they improved it in this season, so that was cool. I think everyone's lit a little interestingly in this. Uh, we get Guinan, Guinan, which you know I forgot to bring her action figure. I have her figure. Damn it! I, I should. I'll do it for the next one. I can't. I couldn't believe how cool it it, it was. I mean, even even now it's pretty cool. But um, at the time, it was pretty cool that a major star like Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I'd ever seen a an Academy Award winning actor appear on on Star Trek. Regular Star Trek relate regularly. Yeah, on and TV, she yeah. on TV, no less. Right. 
And nobody believed she wanted to be on Star Trek, which was funny. She was friends with LeVar Burton, and LeVar Burton was like, hey, because she, apparently she heard that, that, that Denise Crosby had left. So she told LeVar Burton, hey, if there's room in the cast, I want to be on it. And LeVar Burton told the producer, and they're like, now you're, you're, you're pulling our leg. And I know, because it's Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> it's Whoopi Goldberg. I, mean, she, I think she had just won the Oscar, right? For, I don't know. I think For so. Ghost. Right, she right. The color purple. I mean, it, it was it was. Uh, She's a, a giant. Peak, she, it was She's, a peak period in her career, and yeah. um, she finally called the production's team directly, and she said, "Look, I know I'm not a blonde, but come on." And then they believed that she really wanted to be a part of the show. That's an amazing story that Whoopi Goldberg wanted to be on Star Trek. It's like, you know. It is pretty cool. And her character is one of the best characters. I mean, we we learn very little about her origins on the actual show, and then we find out a lot about her in Star Trek Generations. Um, and then she kind of disappears after that. <laughs> yeah, well, there's no show after that. so It's true. It's, it's easy to... Yeah, because she's not in... Uh, she's not in first contact. I don't, yeah, I don't you know what? It. She doesn't go to the Enterprise E, is what happens, I guess. She Enterprise e has no 10 forward. That's true. There's oh, no more 10 forward. That's yeah. what it is. That's what it is. No, no bueno. Mm. I, I say we bring back Whoopi Goldberg. She needs to be in the Kelvin timeline or the new show. Or the new show. Oh, man. Oh, man. That would be amazing to have Because she is a little timey-wimey. Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly. She is very timey-wimey. It is interesting. Uh, We'll talk about her more in... uh, Subsequent episodes. Subsequent episodes. Uh, She has a really nice... She's going to have great moments. But anyways, that's that's new and exciting, I thought. Um, She has a really great scene with Wesley in this episode. Uh, so, Oh, one thing I forgot to mention in the, in the summary is that Dr. Crusher is now head of Starfleet medical. Wow. She's the head of Starfleet medical and Wesley is, uh, he's thinking about, well, he, he has to, you know, he's going to leave the ship. That's something that they established at the beginning of the episode. Um, and then he later, he decides to stay and there's a, that's a cute kind of scene at the end when Captain Picard comes out and, um, you know, kind of they all tease him a little bit, but they give him the A-OK to stay. And, um, and Worf agrees to tuck him in every night. Yeah, that's right. A bit awkward, that scene. He didn't seem, I don't think that was humor. Uh, Worf is great in this episode, by the way. So there was the, there were a couple of powerful, I thought, powerful moments. I know you're not a fan of... Uh, Counselor Troy, but I really thought she was great in this episode. And um, I think the way that like they're having that kind of when they first learn that she's pregnant, um, when uh, which is a great scene also because Captain Picard's uh, looking for Doctor Pulaski and she's not she hasn't reported yet. And so they find out they you know the computer says she's in ten forward. He goes down there, uh, kind and points her out. Uh, and that's, you know, we meet, we meet Guinan and then, uh, Dr. Pulaski, you know, Picard's about to give her kind of probably a, a what's for, or a little, you know, scolding. And then 
you know, he quickly discovers that she's consoling uh, and diagnosing counselor Troy, who is pregnant, but then they have a meeting afterwards in the, uh, in the uh, conference room. And I just love the way that scene played out because at first, you know, Riker, you, you see everyone reacting to this and you just, kind of see counselor Troy. She's sitting apart from everyone isolated. You know, she's going through this kind of weird situation. I mean, she has no idea how she became pregnant. Also, by the way, that scene where the star child alien, uh, impregnates her is kind of racy for television. I thought <laughs> it's, it's a little, she kind of has like a crazy, uh, crazy little orgasm there <laughs> in that scene. But anyway, she back to, back to the conference scene, you know, Riker's like, who's the father? He's like completely. Yeah. Shy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, like, um, and then Worf is talking about the only option is to terminate the pregnancy. Right. Cause and it's dangerous to the ship. Right? Yeah. He's talking about it. Like, you know, and, and you hear these like diff- this discussion going on, and all, and then they focus in on uh, Counselor Troy's uh, expression. You could see she's going through anxiety, and then it like the noise is just kind of like the conversation stops, and she says, you know, basically, a la Madonna, um, Papa, don't preach. I'm keeping my baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and Picard says, "Well, end of discussion right there." But I just thought that was a beautifully directed moment. Um, and a pretty intense kind of scene. What did you think? I, um, I don't know. I just didn't care (laughs) to be honest. Um, you know, um, once the, uh, once the kid is born, uh, the episodes kind of downhill from there. Um, I mean, I guess I'm comparing in my head. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember, uh, V, Remember when the uh, the girl was having the the lizard baby, and there was like all this build up and anticipation, like oh my god, what the hell is going to come out of this woman, this, this this young girl, and it was like this lizard baby, I think, right? I think it was. I, yeah, I kind of vaguely remember the big, or she had twin. I don't remember, but I just remember this big anticipation, like oh my god, what the hell is going to come out of this poor girl? And uh, you know, what comes out as a normal kid out of Troy and. And the kid hardly has any lines in the in the episode. Um, I think the episode. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure what the intentions were. I don't know if the intentions were to evoke, um, you know, other creepy baby movies like Rosemary's Baby or creepy kids movies like uh, Village of the Damned and stuff. But it, it I can tell you, it didn't work. Um, I mean. I think that would have been an interesting route to take. Um, uh, I, I think Troy, I don't really understand um, Troy's reactions to the kid. I mean, here's this kid that's, you know, she doesn't understand how she was impregnated. And, and now this kid is, is growing at a rapidly at an accelerated rate and, and she doesn't seem very phased by it. Um, I thought, I thought the opposite. I thought she was actually very phased by it, but I thought, she? That, well, yeah, I thought she was very emotional about it. Like for example, in the conference room scene, then the well, actual, that's before the kid was born. Right. But the, even the birth though, there wasn't any pain. She, she was very happy about 
experiencing childbirth. I mean, that's another great scene with Data there and Riker in the wings and Worf standing by. It's just a very interesting, I thought, in the context of the entire series, this was an interesting show, just from just how these relationships later on develop. You know what I mean? Like uh, here, I thought what was... You know, what you brought up earlier about Decker and Ilea, I can now see exactly what you're saying. Like, they are such strong echoes of the Decker-Ilea um, dynamic. And, and you know, Troy's uh, sensuality and her sexuality and her, her like, you know, just her, the, the parts of her that are alien in that sense of the Betazoids. And, like, you know, and then there is this, like, thing about Riker that reminds me a lot about Decker like he does have that he is a romantic he is very much in love with Troy although they can't seem to figure out how to you know yeah that's annoying to me like uh the the, you know when he was kind of like standing off in the distance and I'm like why isn't he with her like why isn't he right there with her why is he standing like I don't get it it's like this um I mean I, I don't know I mean I know data's there but it's like Riker should have been there. I mean, if I, I'm putting myself in their, you know, in their place. If I had been Riker, I would have been right next to her. I don't he, know why he wasn't. I, he I was, don't understand. He was there though, and she even says you've been but, here all along, and she's really pleased about. No, but she asks the question. Oh, were you were you there all along? Was you know, she didn't. She she finds out when he finally comes in. Right. But he but was I mean, standing in the doorway. I don't know why he couldn't have come in and held her hand and told Data, "Hey, okay, yeah, you're, you're, we're good here, Lieutenant Commander. You can watch from over there, but <laughs> I have to be here." The, you know, that, you know I, there I is that, that. But remember, like, it seems like for some reason, and I guess maybe the, that's the problem is that you know it's kind of like you know what are you waiting for? But Riker, for some reason, won't won't go all in, you know, yeah. into that relationship. Like and Picard and Crusher. It just to me it doesn't make any like sense. It's like a it's a similar a very similar yeah. thing. And in fact the show's yeah. very strange because they never really resolve this until the movies. Until like, the movies. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, it's until the movies. It's and like we, we even end the show with her compl- it seems like she's completely happy with Worf and you know no. in season seven that's the they're still together. At the, in all good thing, there's a scene in All Good Things in the beginning. Oh, that's right. right. Oh, my and, God, you're right. You're right. Yeah, so. <laughs> you're right. <sighs> Which is odd because then Worf just leaves, goes to DS9, marries Jadzia Dax. <laughs> good for him. Good for him. Good for him. No, it's good that Worf did find uh, find. And good her. for her because she's better with Riker. I mean, I think that's what right. the fans wanted. Right, the fans did want that, but it seems like they want it too. The characters. Um, but again, I thought she felt all of that deeply, and then she also was very deeply uh, kind. There's two things going on. On the one hand, you know, obviously this is her child. It's weird. She, but on the other hand, she understands. She's, I mean, she's a Starfleet officer. She's also, you know, a professional and, and she understands that like, um, this is, this, she's been impregnated by an alien. This is an alien life form that's somehow, um, manifesting itself as a human being. Um, so while she loves this child and she's very attached to it, on the other hand, you see her engaging with Picard and, 
and um, Pulaski, and she's talking about, you know, his development. They're trying to find out why Ian is there, and she says, I know it's there. I know it's in, within him. He just can't articulate it, which is also interesting because, like, the alien itself hasn't matured enough to be able to articulate its own purpose uh, because it's experiencing humanity in, in a very real way, you know, an accelerated but very real way. Just like until we become adults, we can't articulate a lot of things. Like I know, you know. but the episode, I, I just don't think, you know, really all we see is the kid is born, the kid plays with a puppy, the kid yeah. burns his hand, and then it's like, boom, that's it. Yep, you know, oh, mommy, I'm causing this this potential disaster in the enterprise. I got to go by. And that's the end of the episode. Like nothing really happens. Um, well, I mean that I just does, don't. something does happen that happens. By the way, we have to talk about the puppies for a second because to we me, well, just for a second, not the fact, I mean, it's all cute and everything when they showed the puppies, but when Picard says that he's never played with a puppy in his whole entire life, uh-huh. I was floored. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I've never played with a puppy. Really? No. Oh, man. You're missing out on one of the supreme joys of life. I'm with Picard, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I have never played with a puppy. I know. I thought. Why that was- are you here? <laughs> Why are you here, Starfleet boy? What is your purpose? <laughs> we need to find an image of Patrick Stewart surrounded by puppies. I wonder if that exists Good on the internet. If it doesn't, it needs to be photoshopped and 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 spread all over the place. <laughs> Captain Picard and puppies. That would be a great calendar. <laughs> every every month we would have a different kind of puppy with Captain Captain Picard. <laughs> Back to this episode. Nothing happens, man. I dis- I still disagree, and I would love to know what other Star Trek fans think because we are disagreeing now. We're we're in disagreement on this episode. We're absolutely disagreement. I would also like to say that you know Pulaski's introduction is terrible. She's like, there's no real. Uh, I don't know. There, there's there's no cool intro scene to her. It's just like. You know, she's talked about uh, by the crew on board the bridge, and Picard is like, "Damn, strange that she hasn't reported to us yet." And and then we finally, and we find out she's been in Ten Forward all this time, and and that she's been with with Troy. But it's sort of a it was a very low key introduction, and um, I think it lacked a little. I don't know. It lacked a little snap, and um, um, you know. Guinan had a sort of, you know, Guinan's conversation with with uh, with Wesley later on, where he's asking her questions and and saying, you know, there's a lot of rumors about you, and you know, there's people saying that you served with Picard on the Stargazer, which she she says no, that she didn't meet Picard until she came aboard the Enterprise, which is clearly not true. Um, I don't know if that's because the writers just didn't know, you know, it's just a question of obviously they didn't know what was to come or, 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 or what, but, um, but I think she's, I think she's being very, um, is she elusive on purpose because, um, and technically she does meet him in the future first, if you think about it. I mean, I don't know. Is she? 
I mean, not technically. I don't know. It's very timey wimey. You're right. It's right. A, it's a little. It's a little strange. But yeah, I I I'm gonna. You know, if I had, I'm gonna say that the writers maybe didn't know, but even if right. they didn't, it still, I think it still works. Because, it works. I because, love the yeah. scene. Yeah, it sets her up very well. But we don't have a scene with Pulaski that sets her up. You know. Um, well, there. Yeah. Go ahead. She. I mean, I, like I hear what you're saying, but on the other hand, they also kind of, I think, just like jumped right in with her. They were just like, well, she's you know, this part of her character. She's just like starts working and getting things done. They had that kind of interesting scene where they're setting up this thing that happens for like a little while, where she really doubts Data's um, sentience, or you know, you know, and she calls him Data in that one scene. You know, there was that one scene where it says Data, 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 and Data. You say data, I say data, you say potato, I say potato, tomato, tomato, data, data. Let's call the whole thing off. I think you want to call the whole thing off on this episode. But um Yeah. So I think that like, you know, right in with her, you're right. She doesn't really get like a introduction, but there is also kind of like a little build up about Pulaski and you know how great she really is and everything like that. So um, and I think she's a good match for Picard. There's like this awkward thing going on between them. Um, oh, subs- subspace communication. Can you hear that? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Hi. Call from Anna. The doctor's <laughs> Call from his girlfriend. Can I, can I, give me a minute. Let's rate the episode, sir. (laughs) I was on the line. I okay. We'll rate the episode. So I give it out of ten. Now we're on this ten star scale, right? Right. I give this episode a solid seven. But there are a few things I want to talk about. (laughs) Before we. Oh, is there? Oh, because I, I gotta. All I right, give look. this episode a zero. Wow. Yeah, this episode sucks. And I I wish it to be deleted from season two. Oh, man. Well, I just wanted to say that, like, on the closing note, since we have to rush and finish this. I'm sorry. Episode, I apologize. No, I understand completely. We understand completely. We understand on Starfleet Boy, relationships do come first. Thank you. Um, but I would say that um, I thought it was tr- – that. I thought that the writers were trying to echo a little bit of the hard science fiction and new life form thing that we got in Encounter at Farpoint. I don't think they succeeded as well as they did, but it is a kind of a new kind of experience. You know, this alien basically is able to become a human and live as a human for a little while before it goes away. And um, Okay, let me just say this. Jesus Christ, this is a terrible episode. <laughs> your face is red alert all right well i'm gonna say live long and prosper <laughs> thank you for joining us on another episode and we'll be back shortly to talk about the next one